What really causes the four-year boom-bust cycles in crypto? Is it the Bitcoin happening, like everyone says it is, or is it something else? Bankless Station is the first week of February, and it is time for the weekly roll-up. David, you know we've never done a roll-up on a leap month? February oh. has 29 days this month. Do you know that? That's oh, a fact. It's our, it's our first Bankless leap month. Uh, yeah. Is that something to celebrate? I don't know. I don't I know don't, what it means. Maybe I don't we should think do it that. Is. No? <laughs> I don't think it celebrate is. the 29th of yeah, February? This is below my line. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's their birthday. All right, well, let's talk about what is above your line this week. Uh, Farcaster Frames, they are the hot new thing on the app called Farcaster, all right? But the question is, is this the killer app that crypto social media actually needs to take off? We haven't had our iPhone moment yet, but could this be it? And surprise, people with money in FTX are being paid back pretty damn soon here. But how much is the question? And also, where is that money coming from? Speaking of money, Jupiter on Solana has launched its Jupe token at an earth-shattering $7 billion valuation. I think one of the largest airdrops, uh, maybe top three airdrops of all time. How did the Solana network hold up? Was it able to keep itself upright? We'll talk about that. And speaking of valuations, we got to talk about uh, the Fed. It's getting a little hawkish. All right. That might impact our crypto valuations. All of that and more. But first, we're going to talk about DYDX because DYDX is the number one DEX volume in the world. DYDX chain, the new Cosmos chain, has recently launched with a six-month incentive program that they want you to know about. They are distributing $20 million in DYDX rewards to traders and market makers on the DYDX chain. So you can earn DYDX as you trade on the DYDX chain. Trading on DYDX is basically free right now. Uh, if you are a trader on DYDX, you can check your rewards at dydx.trade. But there is also ongoing rewards for stakers and traders that are permanently a part of the DYDX system. Traders on the DYDX chain get 90% of their trading fees back in the DYDX token. Uh, but you can also stake DYDX to validators of the DYDX chain, just like you stake your ETH to Ethereum, you stake your DYDX to the DYDX chain, currently getting about 15% APR on the DYDX chain. Uh, the reward mechanism is actually non-inflationary because they are paying DYDX stakers in USDC, Ryan. Isn't that interesting? Uh, you, you stake yeah. DYDX, you get paid in USDC. It's and a cash over flowing asset, my friend. Cash it's not flowing a, asset. That ain't yeah. no point. Is that... <laughs> that ain't no point. That's a token, David. Those We've are points called US dollars. <laughs> and 4.2 million USCC has been distributed over 11,000.2 DYDX stakers. So thank you to DYDX for sponsoring this message. But also in the news this week, staked DYDX is now a thing. Inside of the Cosmos ecosystem, I learned this week, Ryan, there's this thing called Stride, uh, which is like the staking as a service uh, for Cosmos. Uh, and so staked DYDX is now a thing, liquid staked DYDX, just like liquid staked ETH. Uh, but also staked TIA from the Celestia ecosystem is also now a thing. I think there's a growing conversation in the Celestia world about um, Celestia TIA as modular money. Uh, and I would call this evolution staked TIA, liquid staked TIA as like an evolution of a progress on that goal, if that is indeed their goal. Uh, so like Stride, uh, making some big moves in the Cosmos ecosystem. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's Tia's goal. I'm sure it's Celestia's goal to have that monetary premium attached to their mm -hmm. asset. So, uh, mm -hmm. but can they do it? That'll be a question, mm -hmm. I guess, for another day. If you're interested in learning how to stake your DYDX, if you have DYDX on Ethereum, that is no longer the home of DYDX, there is a link in the show notes for how to stake DYDX on the DYDX chain if you want to learn more. All right, let's get to the markets this week, David. Uh, what is Bitcoin showing us on the week? We got some pretty round number price movements this week. Uh, mm. 40,000 is where we started the week. 43,000 is where we are ending the week, up about 7.5%. Uh, pretty good, 7.5%. We like, we like that. Uh, I mean, it was pretty pretty red week uh, last week, so now we're kind of like starting to fill in that gap. ETH price, also some round number movements starting the week at 2,200, ending the week at 2,300, uh, up 5% on the week. How about the ratio, David? Ratio down slightly on the week. We are below 0 0.054, but not news. Thanks to Kraken for these charts. Uh, like to see them going up. And uh, that, that, that's <laughs> Kraken, what happened this week. Make them, make them go up. <laughs> uh, David, how about total crypto market cap? What are we looking at? 1.71 trillion. Call it flat. Flat on the week. Flat. It's been flatty. And layer two beat. Layer 2B, also flat. So slightly up in TVL, we're at 21 billion locked in TVL on Layer 2s with a 5.5 
X scaling factor. Arbitrum uh, coming in at $10.5 billion in TVL, followed by Optimism at five, followed by Manta Network, a brand new uh, ZK layer two, uh, which I think is the subject of a big old airdrop farm at $1.6 billion. Manta base number four, Metis number five, six is ZK Sync Era, and number seven, Mantle, and then DYDX. Interesting. Immutable. DYDX. And ZK Fair. Um, so this is never this heard is, of ZK Fair. This is the horse race to watch, though. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's one of the most interesting that's going on right now. David, let's flip, though, to the Fed. What is going on in the broader macro markets this week? I think Jerome Powell had something to say. What did he say? Yeah, I heard I heard it was a hawkish uh, FOMC meeting this week. Uh, the TLDR that I've gotten the, the vibe of is uh, the last FOMC meeting, everyone was like, we just got the pivot. And then this FOMC meeting, everyone's like, oh, maybe we didn't, maybe we didn't get the pivot. That's kind of my TLDR. Do you have any more color to add? Yeah. I mean, uh, so Fed, Jerome Powell said inflation is still too high. And, and recall the, the rates right now are 5.25% to 5.5% in kind of that range. And he said, inflation's too high. There's ongoing progress to bring it down. It's not assured. Uh, he wants to get inflation back down towards 2%, which is, uh, you know, the, the central bank target. And he said, rate cuts would not be appropriate. Yeah, and I think you're right, David. Some investors were surprised by this because there was talk of this, maybe the pivot that is the decreasing of rates happening as early as March of this year. And it looks like that's not going to happen uh, Powell is not giving us a full pivot yet, though that could happen later in the year, David. I think that's still on the table, and the FOMC indicated as much, expecting rate cuts later in the year. We just have to wait on those, I guess. My understanding is that the pivot is inevitable because high interest rates means that the United States government has to pay a ton of money on its debts, which are massive. And so just as a matter of incentive, we have to have the pivot. But that's like, if I keep on saying that, it'll be the bajillionth time that I said that in the last like 18 months. So I, I'm kind of like starting to feel like I'm beating a dead horse or I'm broken record or something. Yeah, that's, just, that's still true, right? Yeah, it's still true. All you got to do is wait. So just wait. All just right. be patient. How, like how long? <laughs> a few months. I don't know. It's going to happen this year. I, okay. I'm still... And let, look, something crazy could happen. You never know, but it looks like we're still on track. Just a little okay. bit delayed. Okay. Uh, David, you know, we talk about crypto and the boom bust cycle happening every four years. And of course, this is sort of our base prediction. Yeah, a four year cycle. And so we are like, we're, we're getting into the bull territory of this, this full four year cycle. The reason that many in crypto have always pointed to for this four year cycle that I have not fully bought into is the halving. Because yep. it turns out that the Bitcoin halvens its supply about every four years. And of course, the... Um, magnitude of that as a percentage of Bitcoin supply is decreasing over time. This is the tiniest happening yet in terms of total Bitcoin supply. But still, that's one of the reasons given for four-year cycles in crypto. Mike Ippolito has a different take on that. Maybe the four-year cycle is not caused by the Bitcoin happening. Maybe it's something else. What are we looking at here? We are looking at a graph that basically looks like a sinusoid. It is a wave going up and down, up and down in the background. It's just like a, a model for a sinusoid. And then there's a chart in front of that sinusoid that is the global liquidity index, as in how much liquidity is there in the global markets around the world. And that that line is a little bit more choppy, but it generally follows a that four-year sinusoid in a very rough fashion, but like the pattern is, is pretty clear. Uh, and then if you just look at this in the crypto context, right, we had uh, the 2013 fork and fair launch bull market, which was at the peak of the, uh, the the rise in the peak of the 2013 to 2014 sinusoid. Then we had the 2017 uh, bull market, which uh, also same thing. Uh, and then also we had the 2021 uh, peak as well. And so it all just lines up with liquidity. And I think this is the big conclusion that people got to after Bitcoin went from like 69,000 down to 20,000 as inflation set in, where everyone was like, prior to that, everyone was like, Bitcoin is an inflation hedge. And then inflation happened and Bitcoin went down because interest rates went up. And turns out we are now remodeling our idea about what Bitcoin is. It's an index for liquidity, which is exactly what this theory would, would say. 
Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I think this sort of explains um, crypto four-year cycles even more than Bitcoin. I, I will point mm-hmm. out, it could be both though, right? It, it doesn't just have to be one thing. But mm-hmm. I do think that um, worldwide global liquidity is kind of the big explainer here. And just to give a sense of what this global liquidity index is based off of, it's basically the central banks of the world. So all of the, the you know, the central banks, so that's the Fed, um, mm. central banks of China, Japan, EU, all of them, and also commercial banks. They are kind of the, the levers or control mechanisms for how much liquidity is in the actual market. So at the end of 2023, we had a global liquidity of about $170 trillion. And that is on pace to rise in this cycle. So we're at kind of the, the trough of global liquidity and now making our way up as more liquidity is injected by the yeah. banks into the into the market. That that is what this trend line kind of predicts. And those are the ways that you're just saying. I want to double down on that punchline. Uh we are past the trough of the recent sinusoid and we are on our way up. That's kind of the that's where we are in this trend. Uh, and so if it as was as violent of, a, of an uptrend as it was last cycle, uh, we have a long way to go in terms of more liquidity coming into the markets, which always impacts risk assets the most, which is crypto. That's us. I mean, you could see this on other charts, too. This is a comment from Mike's tweet. If you know this, but Satoshi was actually a macroeconomist. It's so interesting how the Bitcoin four-year halving cycle is also timed right. with these four-year um, right. like cycles of liquidity in and out of the market. And it goes to show, David, like one, one thing that's um, always true of markets is it's all about inflows and outflows, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. And so fundamentals make their way into prices over time. But in the in the business cycle time range, like the two to five year uh, time range, it's all about liquidity. And yeah. uh, so, I mean, this looks very bullish for very bullish. Um, crypto assets and then mm-hmm. probably risk on assets in general. And, uh, you know, the punchline here is it's actually less about interest rate. So people look at the interest rate and they're like, it's 5%, it's 5%, that's high. It's higher than it's been in the last like 10 years, right? It's not just about interest rate, guys. It's also about the liquidity that is sloshing around in these Mm -hmm. markets. And it looks like all of the banks are ready for another cycle of money printing. Speaking of inflows and outflows, the GBTC outflows have slowed this week especially in the last two days. So the 29th, 30th, and 31st have been some pretty notable changes in tune in the Bitcoin ETF world. Uh, so on, on net, there was negative $17 million outflows on the 29th between all of the grayscale outflows versus the other ETF inflows. On the 30th, which was Tuesday, there was $378 million inflows into all of the Bitcoin ETFs. And then yesterday, at the time of recording, the 31st, $240 million inflows. So over the last two days, we've had over like $600 million of inflows into the Bitcoin ETFs, which have surpassed all the grayscale outflows. The grayscale outflows on the 29th, 30th, and 31st, $289, $192, $170 million. So that number of grayscale flowing out, GBTC flowing out of grayscale to Coinbase being sold, turning all these candles red, uh, is slowing. That is a lower number. We, we needed to get rid of all of those outflows in order to uh, resume the ascent upwards, right. didn't we? And it it's it might be no accident that this week we saw seven percent gain on Bitcoin, and these mm-hmm. outflows um, have started to uh, to halt and stultify. So uh, that's good. That's healthy market activity. That's what we need in order to go back up. David, what do we have coming up next? Coming up next on the second half of the show, we're going to talk about Jupiter's seven billion dollar token launch. Did you get that airdrop, Bankless Nation? We're also going to talk about Farcaster Frames and if crypto found its social killer app, as well as record amounts of on-chain user growth in 2023, which chains grew the most. Was it Ethereum Layer 2s or was it newer Layer 1s? We're going to talk about all that and more. But first, I wanted to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible, like Kraken, our preferred exchange for crypto in 2024. If you do not have an account with Kraken, click the link in the show notes to get started with Kraken today. Kraken knows crypto. Kraken's been in the crypto game for over a decade, and as one of the largest and most trusted exchanges in the industry, Kraken is on the journey with all of us to see what crypto can be. Human history is a story of progress. It's part of us, hardwired. We're designed to seek change everywhere, to improve, to strive. And if anything can be improved, why not finance? Crypto is a financial system designed with the modern world in mind. Instant 
permissionless, and 24-7. It's not perfect, and nothing ever will be perfect, but crypto is a world-changing technology at a time when the world needs it the most. That's the Kraken mission, to accelerate the global adoption of cryptocurrency so that you and the rest of the world can achieve financial freedom and inclusion. Head on over to kraken.com bankless to see what crypto can be. Not investment advice, crypto trading involves risk of loss. Cryptocurrency services are provided to US and US territory customers by Payward Ventures Inc. PVI doing business as Kraken. Are you launching a token? Is it already live? How are you managing the legal and tax obligations for providing token grants to your team? It's no secret that token management gets complicated. Between learning all the legal language and tax obligations in every country that your team is in, token grant management can feel like an obstacle course, but it doesn't have to. That's where Toku steps in. Toku provides practical tools to handle token grants, allowing for effective oversight of token distributions and payroll tax compliance for employees, contractors, advisors, and investors. They also handle tax withholdings through their real-time tax calculations that can be done by Toku or integrated into any payroll EOR providers in any jurisdiction. Toku is a trusted provider of Protocol Labs, DYDX Foundation, Mina Protocol, and many more. Get started for free and make token compensation simple at toku.com slash bankless. Celo is the mobile-first EVM-compatible carbon-negative blockchain built for the real world. Driving real-world use cases like mobile payments and mobile DeFi, and with Opera Minipay as one of the fastest-growing Web3 wallets, Celo is seeing a meteoric rise with over 300 million transactions and 1.5 million monthly active addresses. And now, Celo is looking to come home to Ethereum as a layer two. Optimism, Polygon, Matter Labs, and Arbitrum have all thrown their hats in the ring for the Celo layer two to build upon their stacks. Why the competition? The Celo layer two will bring huge advantages like a decentralized sequencer, off-chain data availability secured by Ethereum validators, and one block finality. What does that all mean for you? With Celo layer two, gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas natively using ERC20 tokens, sending crypto to phone numbers across wallets using Social Connect. But Celo is a community governed protocol. This means that Celo needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard. Join the conversation in the Celo forums, follow Celo on Twitter, and visit Celo.org to shape the future of Ethereum. Big airdrop this week, Solana's biggest DEX, Jupiter, just launched its Jupe token. What do people need to know? Yeah, 10 billion Jupe tokens. This airdrop was actually announced. There's going to be four phases. This is phase one. The future criteria of, of phases two through four are undecided. But this was actually announced all the way back at Solana Breakpoint in 2023, November 15th, 2023. Uh, 10 billion Jupe tokens going to 955,000 Solana wallets, almost a million wallets. Uh, definitely not a million users in, in Solana pre-November of 2023. Of that 955,000 eligible airdrops, uh, airdrop addresses, 485,000 addresses have claimed those tokens. 646 million Jupe tokens. That's uh, about two thirds of the airdrop, which I believe is 10%. I need to double check these numbers, but I believe 10% was airdropped of the $7 billion, which means $700 million was uh, airdropped to Jupiter users. Wait, where are you getting $7 billion? Is that is that the market cap of that the, is the uh, market Jupiter? Cap. Yeah, uh, that was wow. the market cap at the drop. It is now at six billion, which I mean, still plenty respectable. Yeah, yeah, yeah still so six billion dollars. Yeah, so almost a billion dollars in token value was dropped to six hundred million at, at the current price is six hundred million. Wow, wow, yeah. which might be number two behind Arbitrum, which dropped like two billion to users. Yeah, because Jupiter is like the primary dex on Solana. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of winning. So it's, a, it's like a super dex it's not just an amm it's a, also a dex aggregator with like uh, like a bunch of just other bells and whistles it's got it's like a super like it's got all the all the dex bells and whistles like hooked into one app okay so how did solana the the actual network i'm sure this was a flood of activity of people claiming their their yeah. tokens mm -hmm. getting very excited how did the network uh, handle that load uh, network stayed, uh, stayed up and running, but uh, a bunch of failed transactions happened. I think something like 50 or 60% failed transactions. So people were pretty frustrated about that. But it was you know significant improvement from what Solana would have done like a year ago, which was topple over. Uh, <laughs> and so it stayed on stayed online, didn't, didn't break a sweat in terms of block production. Uh, but now so the Solana as an ecosystem is like just paying attention towards its fee markets and its congestion. Uh, and so this is like the new era of development in Solana. So I would call that a, I would call that a success. So, I mean, are, they have work to do, but it's a success. Those are the big boy problems, right? When you, yeah. when you get uh, so, so many users, your network can't <laughs> handle it, right? You, you got to um, keep up with it and you got to figure yeah. out front running and MEV and all of these mm -hmm. things. And I think it's a, a sign of increasing maturity that, um, that Solana is working on these problems. And of course, if you're a bankless citizen, then you probably knew about the Jupe airdrop because we covered it in the airdrop hunter. 
And uh, you can claim that. If you, if you don't know whether mm-hmm. you're eligible or not, you can also claim that on the Bankless website, bankless.com slash claimables. Type your Solana address in and see if you qualified. And David, you've scheduled a live stream with uh, one of the founders of Jupiter, I believe, to, to talk about this and talk about future plans. Yeah, that founder's name is Meow. He is a cat. <laughs> Uh, and we are having a live stream tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern time, because I believe he's in Singapore hours, uh, to talk about Jupiter and the Jupiter airdrop. Uh, and so this will actually conclude my Solana app layer series that I've done over a while. Uh, I did Tensor, I did um, Jito, and now Jupiter. And these are like the three big apps on Solana, and it's going to be round out that series. Are you expecting a cat to actually show up? Like, is this go- is this person going to be pseudonymous? Uh, no, is there a no, face it, it, it is, he's a, he is a man who I, I'm sure if you investigated, you'd be able to find out his name. He will show up as a dude, uh, but <laughs> okay. he will also call himself Meow. I am Meow. Meow is what I'm expecting right. to hear. Well, it sounds sounds like it's worth $7 billion. This is crypto. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, TradFi. I got to get you yeah. this weirdness. Uh, speaking of weirdness, this came out last Friday, David, but it really made waves. A Farcaster frame. So talking about Farcaster, we're talking about the crypto social network. It's kind of a Twitter type of competitor called Farcaster. And they've rolled out a new feature called Farcaster Frames. William Peaster of Bankless, William Peaster, one of the analysts at Bankless described it like this. The crypto social scene just got a huge level up. That's because Farcaster just introduced frames, which can turn any cast, which is Farcaster's equivalent of a tweet, a cast is a tweet, into an interactive app. This new feature offers awesome new possibilities for the Farcaster ecosystem, ranging from in-cast airdrop checkers to one-tap gasless NFT mints. So the idea here, David, is that rather than have just a, a tweet, which, you know, on Twitter, it's a, a piece of content, right? It's an image, it's a video, it's some text. You can actually tweet, or as Farcaster calls it, cast an interactive application mm-hmm. inside of the cast itself. If that makes sense. So like some examples of this, uh, literally one of the first apps, I don't, I don't know if you ever saw it, like you ever played Doom on a, a TI-83 calculator? You ever see that? No, I never, not on a calculator. I would be like four or five years old sitting on my dad's lap and he would move and I would press the space bar and I would kill the monsters. And my mom did not like that. We're like on a, on a PC, right? <laughs> on a computer. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Well, one of, one of the kind of the, the things that is done, like, have you ever seen doom on like a pregnancy uh, test? Like p- people love what? putting doom. Yeah. you can. I know people... the meme of we can put doom places, but yeah, I've not you can seen put it on doom a pregnancy on every... test. I've seen doom on a pregnancy test, like not in person. All right. On I've just seen this on the, on the internet. internet. Uh, and anyway, so. So Doom, as an early application in a frame, just why? Because you can. But there's some really other cool apps that people have developed. And once again, this functionality just dropped on Friday, all right? And there's already something like 500 different frames that have been developed. Uh, Tell us about some of the frames that are possible here, David. Well, I mean, the first one that everyone should go play is the Doom one, of course. But in addition to that, uh, there's a chess trainer. So you can just play chess inside of a, of a tweet, a Farcaster cast. Uh, there's a song drop, which is a music NFT minting uh, frame from Sound XYZ. There's NFT mint, so gasless NFT drops on Farcaster. Uh, one of the more creative ones, Netheria, a text-based game where users attempt to conquer a monster. Um, the way that I would explain this is like uh, if Twitter is Bitcoin, as in all you can do is write text, and that's how Bitcoin is expressed, then Farcaster frames are like smart contracts on Ethereum, where you can put smart logic in, you can put logic into your tweets, aka your casts. Uh, That's how I would explain that very, very simply. And so it's just opening up the world of just like innovation to the Farcaster community, uh, and people are doing cool stuff with it. And this is I'm just here for this because, you know, let's put place uh, complexity on the margins, allow for coders and developers to have clay to work with and see what they come up with. Why didn't Twitter ever do this? I don't know. Well, they didn't because their their model is kind of against it. They've they've Twitter and most of the other all the other social media platforms are now these walled gardens, right? Even mm-hmm. your Facebook used to be much more innovative with kind of the Facebook uh, API and used to get like mm-hmm. games like Farmville. Yeah, now none of that exists, right? So right. what's really cool about this is all of the permissionless innovation that's been unleashed. And um, you know, I I've been excited about Farcaster for a while, right? Like, yeah, you've been on there for all month, right? I, like, um, I mean, I've been there for a while, but I started to get really active about six weeks ago when it just mm. felt to me like Twitter was just you know, kind of too toxic. Twitter sucks. It, it was just getting like too toxic, right? And right. so 
just you know algorithm it's we we've talked about this at ad nauseum right it it very much incentivizes clout chasing dunking like it you know and farcaster seemed to me maybe it's because it's small a much uh, healthier crypto community i just loved it but the thing about farcaster up to this point david and all crypto social that i've used is it didn't feel significantly differentiated from traditional mm. social media so you go into farcaster it just looks like twitter and you're like all right, so it's a healthier Twitter. Cool. It's not the 10x right. better thing. Right. David, this is the first time I've actually seen crypto social present potentially a 10x better use case. Right. Yeah. So, and, and there's actually not, we call it crypto social. It is crypto social, but this is just a social innovation on a crypto adjacent application. Yeah, crypto adjacent, and you know, also, I mean, they've designed this thing with kind of open borders, so it's it's completely right. permissionless. Uh, right. Sriram, who we've had on the podcast of um, A16Z, says the Farcaster and Frames Energy is how 2005 Web 2.0 uh -huh. Web Energy felt like, and I very, I, I kind of remember that in the internet. He's talking history. about the, like the open source era of Web 2.0. Yeah, he's talking about or the Chris Dixon yeah. podcast when we went yeah. from Web One to Web Two, and it was no longer just read; it was about write. Like this kind of feels like that, and for the first time, I saw a glimpse of what could be the way we onboard the masses. Like, mm. oh, cool! Now we have a social primitive that allows us to expose the own verb right? To use Chris Dixon's right. framing of it. We right. could do all sorts of crypto things on top of this. So I'm pretty excited about it, even though it's like early days, it's still just the crypto native community. But I think mm -hmm. this has some real potential and we'll see what's unleashed, what's built on, on top of um, Farcaster frames. Yeah, I, I called Farcaster a crypto adjacent um, application because it just has this very small on-chain footprint, like one user transaction on Farcaster on Optimism per account. But also these frames can be bridges into crypto use cases. Like we've already seen like NFT drops and sound mints and NFT mints and all this kind of stuff inside of frames. And so it's, it is a portal to allow for crypto expressivity to come into a Web2 social app. Uh, and so it's a little bit uh, just about the culture of Farcaster is about enabling crypto use cases that you would never see from any of the uh, Web2 gargantuans. As a result of frames, daily active users spiked immediately to 10,000, breaking 10,000. Uh, and then that was, I think, on um, Saturday of last week. And then uh, Monday of this week, we're up above 14,500. I think it's over 15,000 daily active users on Farcaster, which makes Farcaster by far the most popular crypto application that we have. Like daily active users, absolutely. And David, they did it without points. They did it without well, big token incentives. They have, they have warps. They do. They do have warps. But they're not but no, gamifying it. I don't know if anyone's you know speculating I mean? on them like people are speculating on like eigenlayer points. No, I think it would be a somewhat foolish to do so actually. Like you can buy warps inside of the app, but it's not sort oh, of Oh, with like, money? Yeah, with, mo with, with money. With credit card? Yeah, with credit card or with your ETH if, if that's what you want to do. But it no. doesn't have kind of the speculative you know, token mania side of things. They're, they're not using right. that growth hack yet, which is uh, right. pretty interesting. Yeah, if warps if warps turned into actual like ERC twenty tokens, that would be that would be very large. That would yeah. be a big move. Yeah, for sure. That's not happening. Not happening for a while. Not happening. Maybe ever. Not no, happening at I, least I think for a while. Dan and the co-founders of uh, they're taking the slow steady route and like they're for getting sure. it right. And uh, yeah, for sure, I respect that. Yeah, uh, for sure. David, I also respect the numbers that crypto is putting out with the number of users on chain. Mm -hmm. So here's a report from Flipside Crypto. Uh, this week that shows the total number of acquired users uh, across all of the years that crypto has existed, starting from 2012 to 2023. And the headline here is that on-chain crypto users grew by a record 62 million in 2023. Now, what do we mean by an on-chain user? This is um, this analytics platform particular is their particular definition, but basically they kind of mean an active address. Okay, mm -hmm. so that doesn't map one to one necessarily to a human being. Like there were not nine hundred fifty-five thousand users of Jupiter. Yes, there were not. Um, so, but each of these kind of map to let's call it like a, a crypto bank account, right? It's an mm -hmm. active address, and it does mean that it's active. So. They had to use the chain at least once past year and then use it actively in uh, like twice or more in the years preceding that. So it is good, it's a good pro proxy for not all the humans on chain, but it is a good proxy for 
I guess some of the users. I mean, bots are users too, right? Mm-hmm. Bank accounts are users too. Anyway, 65 million. And uh, that that's the highest it's ever been. In fact, most of these years have been up from the previous, except uh, 2019. That was an outlier year where we had um, you know fewer uh, on-chain active users in the last. Yeah, exactly. But uh, take a look at this compilation here. What does, uh, what does this look like to you when we compare the different chains? All right, we got 15 million active wallets on Ethereum, 7 million active wallets on Arbitrum, 5 million active uh, wallets on Solana, 15 million active wallets on Polygon. Polygon, a really standout bar here. It's actually, it's uh, it's as big as Ethereum's. And 2 million on Base, 3.5 million on Polygon, 10 million on Bitcoin. All right. That's All right. the compilation. That's the breakdown. Yeah. They could have organized that a little bit better, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it's cool to see all of this it's on-chain cool. usage, it's and cool. uh, this is going to hit 100 million uh, in no mm-hmm. time, definitely this year. David, what do we got coming up next? FTX users are getting their money back. How much of it? And will we see FTX 2.0? And are we going to have to wait until 2025 for the ETH ETF? God, I hope not, but someone says so. Also, a new LRT protocol brings in $100 million in TVL in just under one day. And also, most importantly, bankless citizens are getting something new. So stay tuned after the sponsors to find out what that is. But first, a moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Mantle, the Layer 2 with staking built in. You can stake your ETH with Mantle. You can use the Mantle Layer 2. What you want to do, I don't know. Try it out. There's a link in the show notes. We're going to go here for Mantle right now. Mantle, formerly known as BitDAO, is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses Eigenlayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming, and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. It's everyone's favorite season in crypto, tax season. And crypto tax is always an absolute headache, especially for all you DGENs out there. But it doesn't have to be a nightmare. That's where Crypto Tax Calculator comes in. The software built for DGENs by DGENs. As Coinbase's official global tax partner, Crypto Tax Calculator focuses on making complex transactions into easy ones, supporting over 300,000 currencies across Ethereum, Arbitrum, Optimism, as well as a thousand other integrations as well. It's as simple as connecting your wallet, pulling in all your transactions, and following the automated suggestions to quickly and accurately calculate your tax obligations. Plus, for all the airdrop farmers out there, Crypto Tax Calculator has your back as they are consistently adding support for new and upcoming layer ones, layer twos, and all the airdrops that you're currently farming. 2024 is the year when the DGENs do their crypto taxes with speed and confidence. Make taxes this year easy and affordable with Crypto Tax Calculator. Sign up at CryptoTaxCalculator.io and get a 30% discount with code BANK30. Click the link in the show notes for more information. You know Uniswap, it's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bankless. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap Mobile Wallet for iOS, the newest, easiest way to trade tokens on the go. With a Uniswap wallet, you can easily create or import a new wallet, buy crypto on any available exchange with your debit card with extremely low fiat on-ramp fees, and you can seamlessly swap on Mainnet, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. On the Uniswap mobile wallet, you can store and display your beautiful NFTs, and you can also explore Web3 with the in-app search features, market leaderboards, and price charts, or use Wallet Connect to connect to any Web3 application. So you can now go directly to DeFi with the Uniswap mobile wallet. Safe, simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There's a link in the show notes. David, you remember that FTX thing that happened last mm, year, right? I remember. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that wasn't last year. That was two years that was ago. Two years ago. That was, well, well, was 2023. Well, th- 13 months ago. Okay. So 15 million people lost a combined $30 billion or more. Some estimates are $35 billion. The question in all of the bankruptcy proceedings is, how much would they get paid back? Would they get paid mm-hmm. back anything? 
And the answer, it seems, has come this week. What are we looking at for the FTX creditors? So the headline reads, FTX expects to fully repay customers. And we are not going to see FTX 2.0, which I kind of think is sad because I think that would have been hilarious. Like but them rebooting minor... the exchange. Yeah, that's FTX, what FTX 2.0. 2. 2. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, think that would be hilarious? By the way? That'd be hilarious. That would be peak drama. Uh, I mean, <laughs> what's the Elon Musk line? Like, whatever's the most comical is the thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, likely, yeah. Anyways, uh, FTX users fully repaid. So everyone's getting all of their money back with a big ol' asterisk of what your money is is US dollar value at the time that the FTX exchange went defunct. The and bottom. So, <laughs> the bottom. Yeah. You are getting your money back at the worst, almost the worst prices uh, that we had all of all of the last bear market, uh, which makes many users very upset. Because, uh, I mean, why? How did, where did all this money come from? There's been some clawbacks. There has been some VC investments out of FTX that have actually done well. There has been some money actually discovered under the couch cushions. And all of that money, especially like the SOL tokens and the GBTC tokens have significantly increased in market value. Like Bitcoin did over 100% in increase. Like it was $20,000 when FTX went under. It's now $40,000. But then also GBTC appreciated even more than that. And all of so like the reason why so many people are getting all of their quote unquote money back is because, oh yeah, crypto markets bounced back. Uh, and so they're not really getting what they feel like is their money back, but they get to say like, hey, we paid back everyone's money. I mean, but still not bad. And it like, could be I worse. I gotta say not bad. Could be worse. I mean, 30 to 35 billion. When does this ever happen in a bankruptcy? If you right. told, it, it, it was as if, I guess the, the, the market effect of this was as if you, if you were an FTX depositor, uh, Sam just hit market sell on all the right. assets at the worst possible time, right? right. Yeah. But like, yep. at least you're getting something back. That doesn't yep. happen in bankruptcy cases usually. If you're a creditor, I mean, if you t- if you told someone outside crypto that, um, yeah, FTX depositors they lost thirty billion dollars and then they got thirty billion back eighteen right. months later, like that sounds good. Now, when you denominate to your point in crypto assets, it's a lot worse. But you underperformed the crypto markets. Yeah, I just got to say, this never happens in, in um, outside of crypto, but it does tend to happen in crypto, like from time to time. Although Celsius, I don't think it's going to happen. BlockFi is not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, so no, uh, yeah, maybe not all the time. Uh, I would like to see how much of this money re- being recouped was actually made from VC investments. Because uh, they, they had that anthropic uh, investment and yeah. others too. And they're, that's, they're not over, right? So like the VC investments could keep on paying off in theory. Are creditors going to get all those too? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think they're tr- trying to just uh, d- dispose of everything at this point in time and, and just kind of end end the chapter of uh, this mm-hmm. FTX cycle. Hey, speaking of new chapters, Ethereum's got a new chapter coming, which is uh, the next Ethereum upgrade. What What is the latest on that? We just had the second of three Ethereum testnets upgrade to Dankun. Blobs are now on the Sepolia testnet. Uh, I bet 99.9% of listeners have never used a Sepolia testnet. But the point is, is that as soon as we get to three of three successful testnet upgrades to Denkun, we get to take that all the way to the main chain, to the Ethereum layer one. We are at two of three now. I think the next one will happen in two or three weeks. Uh, and then maybe two or three weeks after that, uh, we will have a full Denkun upgrade on the Ethereum mainnet. End of March. End of March. Looking good. On track for end of March. These are my words. This is not in the Ethereum developer's words. These are just my uh, estimations of time. End of March. Looking good. Uh, that's going to feel good when that ships, yeah. David. So in addition to the upcoming hard fork, some uh, some good news, I think, for open source development and client development, the core dev development specifically on Ethereum. Tim Bako is introducing the Protocol Guild Pledge. So any project that has a token can take the Protocol Guild Pledge and donate 1% of their native token to the Protocol Guild. Uh, David, what is the Protocol Guild and what's the significance of this pledge? Yeah, the, the Protocol Guild is a collection of open source Ethereum engineers, contributors to the Ethereum project who just work uh, either for the EF or work towards Ethereum uh, and are just they just work out of the goodness of their heart, right? They're working on open source technology, which means they're not compensated for that. So that means the Ethereum ecosystem needs to come up with funds somehow, somewhere in order to pay like, these people. Like pe- pe- people like Peter from Geth, who we were talking Peter about from last Geth, week. Exactly. Like our yeah. fate is entirely in Peter's hands, right? 
Peter from Geth is in there. Mike Noider is in there. Alex Stokes is in there. Tim Bako, Trent Van Epps, who are part of the like stewards of the Protocol Guild. Dom, we've had him on the podcast. Uh, just a ton of people. There's like, I think, three, 300 people plus. Uh, anyone who contributes to Ethereum open source, anyone who like builds a client uh, and the Protocol Guild, it's DAO, is a DAO. Protocol Guild is a DAO, and it also governs over who's in there. And people donate to the Protocol Guild, uh, send money to the Protocol Guild, just say, hey, thank-. It's, a, it's a solution to Ethereum funding. Uh, and so the Protocol Guild pledge is to say, hey, if you are on Ethereum, if you're using Ethereum, consider donating 1% of your tokens, of your token generation event, to the Protocol Guild, and that token is slowly trickled out over many, many years uh, towards members of the Protocol Guild who have been vetted by other uh, Ethereum uh, EF members and others uh, as to deemed worthy of being receiving some of these funds. Um, so this pledge, this idea, this pledge was announced by Tim Bako, and then immediately... EtherFi, one of the largest liquid staking token uh, projects that are new and upcoming in the Eigenlayer ecosystem, announces that they are taking the pledge. So EtherFi has committed 1% of their upcoming token will go to the Protocol Guild in order to support the continued development of Ethereum. Uh, so just big hats off to EtherFi. Uh, this, uh, I mean, Ethereum alignment is kind of a meme, but like, hey, there are people contributing, building Ethereum, and we are all standing on those people's shoulders, and those people are in the Protocol Guild. Uh, and so very, very, very well done by EtherFi. Also in EtherFi news, they have announced their Mega Week. So this is in the LRT ecosystem. Mega Week is just like uh, juiced incentives for the EtherFi system. They are distributing 3 million eigenlayer points from the EtherFi treasury uh, to new and existing EETH holders. That is the restaked liquid restake token from EtherFi over the next 10 days that started January 31st, ending February 10th. Uh, and so if you are interested in getting some uh, catching up on your eigenlayer points, EtherFi is giving you away, giving away 3 million points over the next 10 days. We still have to do that. We're uh, giving away liquid, points. <laughs> yeah, we still have to do that liquid restaking tokens episode, David. Yeah, uh, and we're doing that yeah. tomorrow. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. And I mean, speaking of points, a uh, lot, lot more points giving going on. So this is friend.tech. Tonight, we're doing our final weekly distribution. I guess this is the final of yeah, points. Yeah, they are ceasing the points. Beta Pinter period. Points are being ceased. Well, how do we know tech. that? I mean, we just did an episode on what they points. Where, it's what they are yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we until, are trusting like, them. You know, six, six, six months later, they can be like, oh, it's back on again. No, anyway, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. They're, they are ceasing their distribution, and I think that they actually launch a token. I think FriendTech token's coming soon, TM. Ah, uh, so you think this is a pretty binding, strong social commitment it's what that they will are just saying. transfer it's what they into are a, a, a token? Yeah, I could not imagine them saying this without that turning into a token. I mean, V2 launch of FriendTech, remaining 10 million beta points being distributed uh, up to that. Uh, and then V2 launches. So V2 of Frentech is coming. Points are going to have a point, quote unquote, is what they said. So the Frentech token is probably coming. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, some some hard hints then. What, what do you think? Can, what do you, you think the market cap is going to open up at? Fully diluted. Frentech. Yeah. You know, here's billion? the thing about Frentech. billion over billion. Yes. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's this unicorn is, this season, cri- baby. Crypto going in <laughs> into bull cycle. Yeah. It's over a billion. I I will say for myself, I haven't used. Uh, Frentech recently. I haven't, yeah. I use it pretty hard for the first three weeks and then that was it. It kind of, it just didn't have enough to kind of keep me sticky, right? Aside from the the yeah. um, initial novelty of it. So, uh, I mean, maybe maybe others are different or, or maybe they're, they're adding some features. We'll see how that develops. Also, Puffer Finance giving out some points. What's this about? Puffer Finance, that is the LRT project that I mentioned that has sourced uh, over $100 billion in twenty in under 20 hours. Uh, they have just launched their vampire attack on Lido. Uh, there's a meme apparently out there of a puffer fish eating a carrot. And so Puffer Finance has like leaned into that meme. Uh, and so... Uh, Wait, what's the carrot? I don't know. Lido the carrot? I don't know. It's a, it's a YouTube video. I just learned about this. Um, anyways, so like, yeah. So, so if you take... Uh, Lido staked ETH and put it into Puffer's vaults. You're taking carrots and putting it into the Puffer. I don't know. Uh, anyways, Puffer just launched uh, and just like uh, over $100 million has flowed into their vaults. Congrats to Puffer. I gotta say, I'm looking at this tweet. This does not look like organic um, uh, traffic here. 91,000 yeah. uh, likes, uh, 167,000 so, yeah. retweets. Puffer huh. announced their, buy, their uh, investment from Binance Labs and then all traction I've ever gotten of any Puffer tweet I've ever done has just like completely blown up. I think there's just like a Binance swarm of Twitter accounts that come and just like, yeah, I don't know. David, a, a disturbing headline I read this week um, was basically the spot ETH ETF approval is unlikely 
until 2025 or 2026. I don't believe okay? it. I, I, I don't want to believe that. Well, um, investment bank TD Cowan anticipates that the SEC won't approve a spot Ether ETF before late 2025 or early 2026. This is the reasoning, David. They say this is a political call. We believe there is no upside for SEC chair Gary Gensler to approve a spot Ethereum ETF given how much how upset progressive Democrats were over the agency's approval of the spot Bitcoin ETF earlier this month. That's what their analysts say. No, no upside. Uh, What about not getting sued? If you approve the ETF, you don't get sued. I mean, he's getting a lot of, of suits. So the, the, this is some sound logic, although these analysts, I don't know that like they, they're saying this a bit like pretty emphatically, right? When really there's sort of a, a probability distribution cloud. So I called in James Safer to actually, who is kind of the go-to Bloomberg analyst. He and Eric Balchunas are the people I think have the uh, best takes on the probability of the Ethereum ETF. And this is what uh, James Safer says. There's more work to be done on this, he says, but we're probably in the 60% range for 2024 uh right now so over 50 low yeah it's lower than what he said probably three to six months ago you'll note um so it's over 50 percent. he says but not meaningfully so i wouldn't be stunned either way gensler really wants to he can kick the can down the road there was no more can kicking for bitcoin i think that is the most valid point here i think gensler will kick the can down the road as long as he can until he gets sued which he will if he kicks it too many times well uh that was kind of james safert's take as well i said you know gensler really does hate crypto so unless a court forces him why would he and james says yeah that's the bearish take but on the flip side it's not exactly a good look to go back to the same court and be told the exact mm. same thing. Okay, so, so that's, that's also still- that's also bad upside is maybe he's actually he does care about his optics. And so maybe when Jimmy James is saying if he cares about his optics enough, he will approve the ETH ETF even before getting sued. Yeah, it kind of could go which only way. accelerates it by like six to eight months. Oh, right? well, the interesting thing is Gary is kind of the decider, right? Because there's there's five um, votes right. for the SEC on whether to approve this or not. And Gary was the decider, three yeah, to two. He was the decider. For the yeah. Bitcoin ETF. So he's still the decider. He's still got all the power, David. This uh, same week, another analyst said the SEC is very likely to approve the spot Ethereum ETF. This was an analyst from Standard Charter Bank and called in a price prediction. Um, basically, ETH is going to hit 4K in the next two months because we are on the, the the brink of the Ethereum ETF getting approved. So don't know. There's takes on either side of this, and it could probably go either way, though. I still lean more bullish for sure. Yeah. This bank's take just happens to coincide with that ETH price pump in the middle of the week up to $2,400. But I mean, I'm not I'm not. I'm not one to listen to banks frequently. I'm going to just say that that's just, that's just <laughs> You noise. do have a bank account, though, don't you? Yeah, but I'm not listening to them. (laughs) I don't listen to my Wells Fargo. So this was crazy. The co-founder and chairman of Ripple, that's the XRP uh, coin, of course, Chris Larson, announced yesterday. Actually, Zach XBT caught this before this was publicly announced. Because Zach XBT is apparently everywhere on chain. And Zach XBT said, it appears Ripple was hacked for about $112 million worth of Ripple and then uh, XRP rather, and then Chris Larson confirmed it. He said there was unauthorized access to my personal XRP accounts and um, the exchanges were notified to freeze the affected addresses. And I mean, that's a lot of money though for uh, Chris and for the XRP community to to lose in a hack. Do you have any other takes on this? Uh, yeah, why is he, he has like a handful of wallets and one of them and one of them has $112 million of Ripple. Yeah, just I, a personal, personal, just wallet, personal wallet. God, Ripple's such a goddamn scam. <laughs> <laughs> That's your take? That's my take. That's all I have to say. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, um, I don't know if the hackers are going to get away with that. Obviously, no, because there's no DeFi exchanges. on Ripple. They All of the major exchanges that have Ripple liquidity are just tracking those wallets. They're not going to get anything out of it. He'll probably get it back. Now, we don't know how he lost $100 million of of Ripple, but a common vector for um, attack for anybody in crypto is the classic SIM swap, where an attacker actually swaps your mobile phone number for theirs in some sort of social engineering attack where they call a phone company, basically, and they switch 
um, your number to their number and then get two-factor authentication type of access and sort of compromise your account. I don't know if that's what happened with Chris Larson, but like this is an important PSA for everybody in crypto to realize it could happen to them. And what you need to do is make sure you are using not your mobile phone number as your second factor auth in in your um, in all of your logins, but use something like Google Authenticator. That is like the yeah. primary prevention. But David, there was a SIM swapping ring that uh, stole four hundred million dollars. Just like one guy in Chicago in a ring, and that was brought to court uh, this week. So oh, that's we got him. Well, yes, this this one, and there's there's more. Okay. And when you're talking about a bounty of like hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, lots of scammers are looking at that with um, mouths watering and I'm, I'm sure are entering the space. So we always have to keep on our guard for sure. And much cooler and more exciting news, <laughs> Bankless, that's us, has released a 2024 badge. So if you're a Bankless citizen, we do this every single year. Uh, we, the Po app for being a bankless citizen. January of every single year or now February, you get one of these. It's done. It's shipped. Uh, it's now claimable for all the bankless citizens out there. Uh, in code, we trust. It's in there. It's in every single Po app. This is the year of the dragon. There's an animated little Po app breathing fire into the bankless bee. I think it's just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, if you have one of these, that means you probably should be also going to the bankless uh, meetup at ETH Denver. You should also go. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. If you're a bankless citizen, you can go claim it now and then tweet it and I will retweet it. There you go. Wow. Uh, retweet the dragon, David. Uh, what do we got for meme of the week? Meme of the week. Hard times create airdrops. Airdrops create good times. That's where we are now. Good times create Ponzi's. That's coming up next. Be careful. <laughs> and then Ponzi's create hard times. Make sure you are prepared for the next two phases of crypto because those are the phases in which you get wrecked. Now is a time in that you get rich. Uh, so I hope everyone's having a fantastic time collecting their airdrops. Uh, one, another, in addition to the Jupiter airdrop, the Mode Network airdrop went live today. Uh, I have claimed a few of mine. Uh, I, you should as well. I think there'll be a link in the show notes for that. Um, have fun harvesting. Be wary that lucrative harvesting creates Ponzi's in crypto. We're not there yet. I haven't seen one yet, uh, but we are. In, they are inevitable. Uh, how, so this, how do we? How do we know when we are in the uh, the good times create Ponzi's phase, David? Are, do the airdrops just get dumber and dumber? And the they get dumber. Get they get stupider quicker. And stupider. Yeah, and, air, people come in who have never been in crypto before, and they start launching billion dollar airdrops, uh, and no one knows who the hell they are, or what the projects are, or what they're doing, uh, and yeah. Yeah, look for talk show hosts look for celebrities painting their nails and posting on instagram like these are like top signals is that what we should be looking at i mean this yeah. is so far the this top is signals change every single year last last cycle was so confusing because it was a year's worth of top signals and after one year straight uh, by the time we got to like november of 2021 de december of 2021 i'm like uh, what's the point of listening to a top signal they're all top signals and crypto still goes up and if you had sold at any time during 2021 you would have been <laughs> doing just fine <laughs> yeah i i i think that uh we are still comfortably in the airdrops create good times because yes. this really this phenomenon really hasn't escaped beyond right. kind of like crypto nope. natives yet nothing we're about still below this... all-time high prices in ether yeah. and bitcoin yeah exactly nothing about this cycle uh, has brought in mainstream yet. So yep. look for that. Look for the the signals specifically, not among the crypto native crowd, but when it starts to leak outside of that, that's when you should worry about the uh, good times creating Ponzi and then the, uh, the subsequent hard times that will mm -hmm. <laughs> happen as a result of this. But the hard times, they do come. Some disclosures as we end this episode. Both David and I are advisors in Eigenlayer. Also, Bankless Ventures is an investor in some of the liquid staking, liquid restaking token projects that we mentioned in today. Both David and I hold ETH. We are investors. We're not journalists. We don't do paid content. There's always a link to all disclosures at bankless.com slash disclosures. And you know, crypto is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot.